Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have a special guest, Aaron Golub. Hopefully, I said your last name correctly, my friend. Um, I Actually, he reached out to me uh, on Instagram. I want to say in July, and we're finally able to get, be getting a talk. So it's kind of like, I always joke like this. It's like a first date. We've never talked before. So I'm interested to hear your story and learn a little bit more about you. But Aaron, if you can just give us a little bit of your background. I know you have like a crazy, amazing story just from what I've looked at on your profile and all. Um, but for the listeners, I'll give us a little bit of your background and we can jam, my friend. Yeah, man. First off, thanks for having me. Excited to do this. So my quick overview and background is I'm legally blind, no vision in my right eye, very limited in my left. Played football at Tulane University, becoming the first legally blind Division One athlete to play in a game. Was named a team captain and went on to become an NFL free agent. And now I'm an entrepreneur and speaker. That is cool. So... That is, you, you said that so quickly and almost nonchalantly, but in reality, that's like huge impacting level stuff. Because like a lot of people think they have issues that they have to deal with, but you, you're playing football and you were an NFL free agent. You played college ball and you have you always been legally blind or was this something that happened? Yeah, yeah. no, I was I was born legally blind. Wow. So what position did you play? Because that intrigued me now. Yeah, so playing at that level, I played long snapper. Um, when I started in seventh grade, I was an offense and defensive lineman, knew I couldn't mm -hmm. be a quarterback, receiver, things like that. Sophomore year of high school, I was a third string university athlete, uh, you know, at like center and defensive tackle. And I was like, I'm so sick and tired of this. I wanted to play at a really high level. I wanted to find a way to do it. Found long snapping. And, you know, from then on out, it was focusing on that and, and doing what no one else was willing to do, putting in the time, the effort, working harder and smarter than other people. And, I'm sure we'll dive into that, but I, I switched to long snapper and, and that's where I played you know, the rest of high school and, and college at. No, that's very cool. So you're going through this. What, what, cause now I'm intrigued. What challenges, I mean, was it, I never played football. So like I, I played yeah. basketball, I ran cross country and like, I, I know that game is a really hard game. Yeah. How, um, I, I'm assuming you ran into people like challenging you and all, how did you deal with that? Because, you know, everyone has their opinion, everyone has their thoughts. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing is, is understanding perspective first off and understanding that most people's opinions, no one's opinions matters outside of yours. Oftentimes we are so quick to take criticism from anyone and, I'm a strong believer that you should only take criticism from people that you're also willing to take advice from. So when I was in high school, yeah, tons of people said, didn't believe in me. Tons of people said I couldn't do it. Tons of people said, you know, that's absolutely absurd. You think you're going to play division one football, no shot. But I was very selective in who I listened to because I understood that, look, I'm getting up at 5am every day and, you know, practicing long snap. I'm going to school, I'm going to practice. I'm lifting weights every single evening, going home, doing my homework every single day for years. And I understood that if I continued to do the things that other people weren't willing to do, I would eventually get the things that other people weren't able to get. And when I focused on myself, focused on what I wanted, focused on how I could get there, that's how I was successful. A lot of people focus too much on the opinions of others and it stops them from going to the gym or stops them from pursuing that goal because they're afraid of being laughed at. You know, I didn't care. 
someone laughed at me, someone made fun of me, someone said I couldn't do something. It didn't, didn't matter to me. I was, I was focused on me, not you. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love that so much. That applies to not only what you were doing there, but to the entrepreneurial life, to yeah. life in general. I think that if people can understand that unless it's someone that's really valuable, it do, it's not their life. They don't yeah. get a vote in it. So I, yeah. I commend you on that. So, so I'm thinking of just how this is progressing through. So now at this point, you're a public speaker. You're an entrepreneur, and I'm assuming you've taken a lot of those lessons into that realm as well. What type of stuff are you doing in the entrepreneurial world? Like, I know you're speaking and doing stuff like that, yeah. but give us a little bit of your background there. Yeah. So my biggest, you know, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So after college, I studied finance in college. And so when I you know, was an NFL free agent and, and kind of made a transition into the world of business and, and all of that, I went to the world of finance to start. And I was in wealth management. I was also doing a little bit of speaking, you know, not not like pursuing getting paid, but I had a background in speaking when, you know, for interviews or things like that in college or when my coaches would ask me to speak a few times at events. And so a little bit into finance, I realized, A, I wanted to build something that, you know, I could have a side income from. And B, I wanted to use my story to continue to impact people. And so I was doing both of those side by side for a long time. And it was getting to the point where I was making more money from speaking than finance. I was, you know, working absurd hours, not that I'm not now, but I was splitting my time between these two aspects and it just wasn't as productive. Eventually left finance. And, you know, now what I do is it's, you know, essentially speaking workshops and consulting. I like to call it consulting long-term partnerships, but it's, it's speaking workshops and long-term partnerships with, you know, companies, sports teams, conferences, universities all around the world. And you know, that could be anything from a, one-time keynote to a, you know, half or full day workshop to longer term partnerships with these companies that I'm really diving in and helping them with certain factors, and, you know, in, improvements and, and implementing change. Yeah, no, I, I get that. So is this more of a, um, how are you helping them change? Is it more of like a motivational, getting them focused on like kind of what you did with the drive and the determination, or is there other expertise areas that you're going into? Yeah. So I am not a motivational speaker. Um, I, I, I absolutely hate when people classify yeah. me in that as that, because I think that there is a cap there. There is a limit there. There is, I hate to say it, but there's not much of a skill set there. Correct. Um, yeah. in certain instances, yes. If I go into an NFL locker room to motivate them for the game, okay. Yes. In that instance, I am a motivational speaker yeah. and I embrace that 99% of the time. I am a professional speaker, consultant, and entrepreneur, and my goal is to deliver a keynote or a workshop or consulting that will help empower and make change within the organization. And so all of my kind of areas focus on, you know, strategies that help you overcome adversity, you know, leadership strategies that allow you to overcome adversity. And that could be based on, you know, just straight up achieving goals through adversity, which is my most popular, which is you know, how do you shift your mind and perspective to, you know, accomplish your goals and, and overcome the challenges out of you. It could be you know, gratitude-based leadership where I'm really talking about how you can use gratitude to you know, help develop your leadership and, and team and, and increase performance. You know, talking about how grateful and thankful I am that I'm legally blind. And if I was to go back to birth and change it, I wouldn't do so. And how, if you can lead from gratitude, you know, I think you become more successful or also in the diversity and inclusion space. You know, a lot of companies bring me in there as well to speak on that and to, you know, help work with them to improve that aspect within their culture and environment coming from the background of someone with a disability. No, that's, that's very cool. I, I like that a lot. So 
a lot of people that listen to this podcast are like first-time salespeople, starting to entrepreneurs. They're kind of trying to break that six-figure barrier, which gets them in the yeah. top 30%. How, what would you say is the biggest factor when you're talking to entrepreneurs or sales professionals or people that they run into that keeps them from yeah. getting there? I think people just quit too early. Like everyone has shiny object syndrome. I have shiny, like we, we all have it. I've been involved with business ventures that have distracted me that I've been involved in for three months or six months or whatever to try and help someone out or, or be a minority shareholder of a company. And it just wasn't a good fit long-term or whatever. And, you know, I exited or we parted ways or, or whatever happened. But a lot of people do that on a regular basis where they say, I'm going to go into this venture and they do it for mm -hmm. three months. They're like, oh, I don't like it. And they go to another and it's like their main thing. And yes, I've always had my main thing. And I've, I've been involved in other businesses that I've, you know, Things have, some things have worked out, some things haven't, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to get yeah. into that. But a lot of people do that at a scale of like their main business. They go into it, they do it for two months. They're like, oh, I don't like this. And they go into something else for four months. They're like, and don't get me wrong. Like you can try new things at a young age, especially like test, try, feel, see what happens. Like I left finance because I decided it wasn't for me long-term. But when you're going to try that, have that trying and that tasting be the, on you know your side hustle of what you're doing have something stable mm -hmm. um that that really is your focus area and the issue is so many people you know try something for two months and leave and you're not going to see success in two months no not like, at all. it's it's not going to happen and i think if you actually say i'm going to stick with this for 12 months like you'll be amazed at the success you'll see just by being consistent yeah. Well, and it's funny because you said that, like I, when I, I teach sales, I like sales is my thing. So I have a day job with sales. I have the podcast on sales and I coach sales, just staying in that niche. And I always tell people, you know, if you stay in a sales role for two years, you become the expert because like you said, people bounce around so much. And I agree with you, staying in a area or something that you can grow and become yeah. the expert and learn more is key. How did you determine what worked for you? Because I, I know a lot of people are like, you know, like they're in that yeah. trying stage. How do you, how do you factor, okay, would, is this a good idea? Yeah, you know, for me, out of school, I thought I wanted to be in finance. I, I wanted to be, you know, the bet, next, you know, hedge fund manager managing billions of dollars. And I realized eventually that what I was doing wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't the right area. I had a natural gift from for speaking and sharing my message and story and, and was, you know, happened to have a really unique story and powerful message. And I had a lot of, a lot of opportunities, was on Good Morning America, my senior year of high school, when I committed to Tulane and, and things like that. So it developed the skill at a young age. And so when I wanted to start into it, I had a leg up on other people. But at that time, I was really classified in the motivational speaking realm. You can start out and you can have a gift for it. But in the beginning, you are a motivational or inspirational speaker. And, and that's mm -hmm. how I considered it. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially in the beginning. I was learning. I was growing. I was decent, but I wasn't great. The difference was when I developed that into really being a keynote speaker, a professional speaker, doing more workshops, doing consulting, speaking at conferences, and not just these pump up and motivating type of you know, talks. And don't get me wrong. There are certain times and places for them, like we talked about, certain times and places that company might bring me in because they do want a motivational speech. If that's what they want, fine. I'm not going to say, no, don't pay me to do that. Like if it fits within my wheelhouse, sure. I'm happy to see if that's the right fit. But most of the time it's not. And it took me developing that over time. And I'm still learning. I learn from people all the time. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I'm well on my way from trying and failing and, and being in this world for a long time. Yeah. And, and I love what you said there. You were trying and failing. You were building it up. You were trying different things out and you were like, okay, cool. I can try this. But what I'm hearing 
through all this talk is that you want impact. You want to change yeah. people's lives. You want to help them get the path that they yeah. need to be on. So if someone came to you and said, hey, you know what, Aaron, I want to get into impacting people through speaking. What would you suggest? How would they start out doing that or leveling up? Yeah, I think the first thing is figuring out what is your message? What is your story? And, and coming up with those, you know, one to three topics, you know, in the beginning, it might just be one or two. It doesn't need to be a lot. I have four topics. We didn't dive into the last one. It's, it's not one that I talk on a ton. Um, but having one to start at least is, is the most important. And really fleshing that out and, and figuring out what that looks like. What is the overview? What are the key takeaways? And presenting yourself as a speaker. And from there, it's really understanding and practicing it. Like, you don't necessarily need to write out your entire speech. I hate doing that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, have bullet points. I have, I write out sections, but I'm just, I'm not a writer. That's just not my thing, but I practice all the time. And the issue that most people have is they think they can talk for 10 minutes. So they're like, oh, I can talk for 45 minutes or an hour. It's, it's talking for 45 minutes, talking for 30, 30 minutes, especially in the beginning, but even now is so much harder than you really think it is. It, mm-hmm. it really is. It is not easy to get on stage and talk for 60 minutes straight. It's it's difficult. And it, if you don't have a plan, if you don't understand what you're going to speak on, if you don't have the key takeaways, if you don't have a framework, you're going to get up there and you're going to fail. And you're going to learn from that. And that's great. But you really need to have a plan in place. Yeah. No, no that makes sense. Because I've been in... I, in like events and different stuff or happy on the show. And sometimes it's like really good and it makes sense. And there's other times like, oh my gosh, where are we going? You know? So it, I, I agree with you there. So once they get that in place, how did you start or how would they start getting on platforms? I mean, I know there's like podcasts, yeah. but stages seem to be a little bit more of the yeah. holy grail. How do you get, yeah. get there? So, I mean, first comes to first, I, I wouldn't brush past the whole podcast thing. I think anyone who wants to be a speaker, Get on podcasts, start your own podcast, do that because that is a great way to start developing your message and getting it out there. I think that's really important. From there, you know, it's about checking your ego and saying, I'm going to do speeches for free. You know, maybe someone has a company and, and you could speak there. Someone has a sales team, you could speak to them or you could go speak at a high school or whatever that looks like and speak for free a handful of times because you're not, no offense to anyone who's listening, but like you're not worth thousands of dollars to go speak when you've never done it before, you don't yep. have that skill built up yet. So, you know, doing something for free, maybe it's doing a Ted talk, you know, and I can get into that whole thing. I've done a handful, but at the same time, people glorify these Ted talks and it, it means absolutely nothing. In my opinion, they, it's great experience. You can get filmed, you can get practice, but like doing a Ted talk doesn't mean you're a 10 K speaker. It, it no. means you've done a Ted talk. People don't understand that. Um, and so that's that's a great step in the process too. But starting off just doing something for free, then doing them for five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, and slowly but surely increasing it. I mean, I've drastically increased my fee over the last two years, year, and even past couple months. And you know, it's it's at a place now where it's going to be for a while. It's I've got pushed by someone to you know push it up to this mark, um, and that's great. But it takes time, and it goes back to that consistency piece. You need to understand that it's okay to go for free for a few times. It's okay Mm -hmm. to charge 500 bucks for a few times. You will eventually get there. But if you say to an event who somehow wants to book you to speak, hey, I charge 10K and you go and you deliver $2,000 of value, guess what? They're going to be pissed off. You're never going to get brought back. You're not going to get referrals. You're not going to get testimonial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think people... I, I love this because a lot of times people start out and they have this fuzzy dream, but they don't understand the 
effort, work, patience that you have to have to build it. Like I started this podcast a year ago because I wanted to talk and help more people. When I started doing sales coaching, I did it for free to begin with. So I could have a beta test to say, okay, cool. Is what I'm teaching helping? And I think as it's gone along, it's the same type of thing. You had to build it up and grow and become the next step. So once you get the topic in place and once you understand, you know, I'm, I'm going to grind this out and build it out. What other, other things are we missing here? Is there anything else that they need to do or? Yeah. You know, it's, it's defining your topics. Like I said, defining your audience. Do you want to be someone who speaks at companies, schools, uh, you know, conferences, you know, what is your specific niche and, and area and audience? And then from there, it's about setting up yourself in the marketing side to a look like a professional speaker, a website, marketing materials, all of that. And then it's about outreach and systems. And I love that side of it. I, it's, it's honestly fun for me. I love that, that stuff, you know, setting up how you can actually get in front of people. People have this idea that they're like, I'm going to get a, on a speaker bureau, get an agent, and they're going to, you know, book me to speak. No agent or speaker bureau A is going to touch anyone until they're at 25K for their fee for speaking first off, mm -hmm. at least the good agents. B, speaker bureaus are not going to bring you stuff. They, they, you know, look, they're focused on the celebrities, the people who are charging you know, 100K to speak. That's what they're really focused on. People have this idea that they're like, I'm going to get an agent and they're going to just fill my calendar of speeches. That's not how it works. You got to build up your own brand through content and through you know, lead generation. And I love that. You know, I send out tons of cold emails every day, tons of cold LinkedIn messages, you know, all that type of stuff, other forms of outreach as well. But it's, it's a whole process. It's a whole system that I've built out and I love it. It's fun, but it's, it definitely gets complex. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense because you are the, if you don't brand yourself, if you don't give your message off, you don't do the content, no one else is going to like, you can't yep. expect someone just to do that for you. Um, yep. Yeah, no, I love this, dude, because like a lot of times I'll talk to someone, and like I said, they have that fuzzy dream, but the work behind it to build up with what you do, like you have, I think, almost 90,000 people on Instagram. That didn't come from you just randomly throwing one post out, like you're intentional with what you're doing. I, I, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, and even with that, like I lately haven't been as consistent with content as I would like, and I'm in the process actually right now of revamping everything you might do with my content, creating content calendar and scheduling posts and all of that, and come Monday... I, my goal is to be posting a, a lot more, um, you know, several times a week at least because I need to be doing that. That's part of building the brand. And, you know, content is, is candidly something that I've gone through periods. It hasn't been my strong suit. And so I've put things in place now that come next week will allow me to, you know, be very consistent with that. No, that's good. So, and I always like to ask this question, is this something that you just because of your tenacity and all have developed or did you work with like coaches and masterminds and groups? How did you get to this level? Because everyone's like going, I know that sounds cool, but how did you get there and understand this process? Yeah. And, and look, I think there's a combination of that. I've, I've, yes, I've worked with people and do work with certain people. Um, <clears throat> and it's about where you are in your time frame and in your period of life and in and, and business. I think that learning and growing and trying and failing is, is always a part of it. You know, if you're not willing to fail, if you're not willing to try, if you're not willing to put yourself out there, you're never going to be successful. That's, that's a huge part of it. I'm willing to just spend long hours and figure things out and put myself out there and fail time and time again. That being said, I do also pay people to teach me things that I don't know. I was talking to someone yesterday who I work with and, you know, he charges a hundred grand to speak at an event. He's a very successful entrepreneur. And he doesn't always get a hundred grand, but that's his base. If someone says, you know, what, what do you charge? 
mm-hmm. and just learning from him and him pushing me to have my fee set at what it is now and, and things like that. Super important. And, and I'm a strong believer if I can pay him X amount of dollars to, you know, help me avoid these mistakes so I can get yeah. where he is in five years instead of 15 years, it's worth doing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think a lot of times people don't understand that in the beginning, you do want to save time. Like, I would not want to, I mean, you can always learn and get the free stuff, but the free stuff is going to take you a lot longer to get to that level, to get to that process, to get to the stuff that you're doing. Like you said, if he can shrink time for you, that's perfect. That, yeah, that makes but at the same sense. time, at the same time, I think a lot of people, I just want to be clear to people, like, look, if you're starting on business and you don't have a budget for that, like, who cares? Have the tenacity. Go on YouTube, watch 15 yep. videos, go on Twitter, read through people's threads. Like you do not need to pay someone. Yes, when you are building a business and you get capital and you're able to spend money, paying someone to learn is one of the best investments you can ever make. In the beginning, if you don't have the money, just go watch YouTube videos for 12 hours. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're lazy and you're not going to succeed. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's true. It's 100% true. How bad do you want something? Exactly. It's all about building life by design. You know, what works for you and what are you going to go after? Like, I didn't become good at sales right from the go. I've been doing sales for 16 years. First, for probably 10 years, I sucked. I was horrible. Like, I would learn and grow and learn and fail and grow. Yeah. And now at this point, now I'm really good at it, but it takes that time, that effort, that commitment. I mean, it's your dream. It's your life. No, I love that a lot. So let's shift here a little bit. So since you are such a, I, I'm going to use the word tenacious type of person, where if you have yeah. a dream and goal, something you'll go after it. Do you like subscribe to like having like a set daily routine that you do? Or are you more of a, I do what works for me that day? Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> I've gone back and forth in this type of stuff. And um, honestly, I, Long story short, so I just moved out to Los Angeles from Boston and very recently. And in Boston, you know, my routine was every morning I would wake up, I would go to the gym, you know, come home, eat breakfast, get to work. And I love that. It was a great routine. Less mornings now I go to the gym. I'm trying to alter my schedule now that I've been here long and trying to, you know, not take as many calls in the morning. But for a while, I've been taking calls at 6, 630 in the morning here because, you know, that's 9, 930 Eastern. If I'm talking to a company, I'm willing to do it. I'm really trying to push myself to not allow calls on my schedule before seven or seven thirty, so I can get up at five and go to the gym. But a lot of the times I've been going later in the day, mid morning, late, early afternoon, whatever that is. And, you know, I think you need routines to a degree, but I also am a strong believer that like people take it way too far. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, look at like Alex Hormozzi is, is not a fan of, you know, routines in that sense. Yeah. You know, he talks about how like all these people online say, Hey, wake up, you know, meditate for 20 minutes, which I don't want to harp on that. I love that. I think meditating is great for you. But, you know, people have this thing of like, they have two hour morning routines where they meditate, take a cold shower, journal, do red light therapy, get in a cold, cold fund, go walk for 30 minutes. And then it's like 9am and they've wasted time. Whereas like his morning routine is he gets up, drinks a cup of coffee and gets to work. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's honestly, it's about what works for you. But I'm also a strong believer of like, don't spend four hours on your morning routine. If you want to work out in the morning, Great. If you want to meditate in the morning, great. But you don't need to do 17 things. Right. Yep. No, I'm with you. Because like I, I almost fell into that whole concept for a while. And I was like, this is not working for me. So like I do get up 
probably three days to four days a week. And I go to a boxing slash strength training gym. Cause I like to, and I do that super yeah. early, but I don't do the whole thing. And I'm like, when I'm driving to my day job, cause I'm still in that transition of doing both. I might listen to a podcast or something, but it's, it's building up what works. And yeah. if I don't work out in the morning, I'll work out in the afternoon. It's okay. It's not like, Oh no, my day is ruined. You know, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think too many times people get so caught up in it being perfect instead of just making it work. Exactly. And, and everyone's different. You know, I'd say that's everyone. You know, it's finding what works for you. It's not going to be the same thing that works for me. I know people who do long morning routines and they're successful. I know people who do long morning routines and, you know, haven't achieved much. So it's just, it, it's, it's about finding what's right for you. Yeah. Well, and it's about impacting and moving your, your business needle movers, as I would call them, because, you know, you can do all this stuff, but if you're not building your business or growing it, maybe it's good for you, but it's not really helping your business, oh, not exactly, helping what you're exactly. trying to do. You know, and yeah. I think we get too caught up in it. Like what books are you reading right now? Well, why aren't you applying the books that you've read? Cause if you just read, 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 and don't do anything, I mean, that's a great, here's the thing with that. And look, like I'm not reading any books right now because right now I'm dead focused on implementing some new systems and reworking stuff in my business. And so a lot of people have this idea of like, yeah, there are stats out there that like certain CEOs read X number of books a year. Fine. I don't care though. Um, people have this idea. They're like, oh, I'm going to read 30 books in a year. Cool. What are you actually taking away from those 30 books? I would rather you see you read one book three times and take away five things from it that you implement into your life than read 30 books because you want to say you read 30 books. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Just read a book, take stuff from it, put it into action. If you need to reread it, reread it again, make changes. And then if you want to go into another book, fine. But so many people have this idea that like they're going to read two books a month and that's going to change their life because, you know, they are just reading more books. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it becomes their new content. So instead of scrolling on Facebook, they're reading a book, you know, because it makes them feel better instead of, you know, changing their life or implementing and, things. And don't like, look, if, if that's your hobby and you want to read books, fine. Like, like I said, everything that I'm saying here goes back to the situation. Everyone is different. Mm -hmm. If that's what works for you, if that is what you enjoy, you know, I like going to the gym every day. No one's going to tell me not to go to the gym every day. If you like reading a, a new book all the time, Perfect. If that's what relaxes you, puts you in a great place, do it. More power to you. I totally support that. But what I'm saying is I think a lot of people read a ton of books and take nothing from it and instead of reading one book and taking a lot from it. And so it's situational though. Yeah. No, no, I agree 100% there. So what is, uh, and, and I know you've probably been on a bunch of different, but what was the, who is the coolest person you've done like a talk or a stage with? <sighs> Like co-speaker or like like company I've worked with. Either or. Honestly, so I I spoke at um, Deloitte a few uh, weeks ago in. Oh, I got I got two things. So I spoke at Deloitte a few weeks ago in in Dallas, and I was at their like training facility. It was the first time I was there. We're talking about me coming back next summer, and honestly, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen there. Like I get there and, you know, I had this entire buffet and, and insane place to go have lunch. And then I went, they had this like full gym that I worked out in like squat racks, dumbbell, like everything. Mm -hmm. I went up to my room and they have a hotel built into it. It was nice. nuts. I, you know, stayed there. I, I had an incredible dinner. I spoke like it was, it was insane. I loved it. 
Um, I also last last month spoke at a uh, mining company in northern Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was such a unique experience going up and meeting those people and interacting with them and working with them and really enjoyed it. So, you know, it takes me to some really interesting places and, and you know, meet some really cool people. So I've, I enjoy it. Yeah, I like that. So what's the, how does it, because you, you do a lot with businesses, which I love. And I think a lot of times when people think speakers, they only think of events and stuff like that. But there's such an open market because businesses need people to come and speak. What differences, are there like a, like a different feel with speaking to like say a business compared to like an event or? Yeah. And, and even sometimes with businesses, like I was speaking at Pinterest back in June uh, in San Francisco and they had an event for you know the company. They had a day-long event, and I was one of the speakers there. So even they have events sometimes. Um, but I think the difference is like when it's a conference, it's probably going to be a lot more indiv- not more people there. It's you know a, a feel of of you know uh, this this singular event. Whereas a company, it might be more of a speech. It might be more of a small group workshop. It might be more of you know consulting with them. There's different angles to it, um, and it, you know, like I said, it could easily turn into like that workshop style. Whereas at a conference, it's not going to. And so, there's pros and cons. Like I've spoken to businesses, you know, where there's been five, ten people in the room, and it's really more of a smaller group breakout session. I've spoken at companies where it's hundreds or thousands of people. It just it depends on what the event and, and organization is looking to do. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. I like the smaller events. It's one of those things. Like when I go to events, I like like 75 people or less because you get more of that intimate feel. That's just personal preference. But yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. So what's next for you? Like I know you're building your business, you're building your brand, you're doing different things. Yeah, you know, the number one focus right now is scaling up my speaking consulting with companies. Number one, it's how do I go from where I'm at to, you know, making seven figures a year from speaking. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the first goal, you know, from there at some point there will be other, you know, businesses, you know, like I said, I've been involved in other things. And at some point I will have something else that is, you know, a public and be, you know, really one of my number one or two things that I'm focusing on. Um, Right now, I'm not doing that. Everything that I've been involved with, I have never been the lead person because mm-hmm. my focus is, you know, my speaking. At some point, I will, you know, as my fee rises even more and as I grow, I will get involved in something else. And I don't know exactly what that is yet. And I'm not really focused on that. But at some point, I will reduce the travel and, and do that. And, you know, that's that's what all great entrepreneurs do. And, and I'm excited for when that happens. But right now, the focus is scaling my speaking consulting to be able to make seven figures a year from it. No, that's good. That's good. So are you thinking like maybe training other people to speak or get into businesses or I mean, I mean yeah. you just intrigued me there a little bit? Yeah. So I, I do a little bit of um, and this is like really on the side. I only work with a few people. But yes, I do a little bit of consulting of taking people who are speakers or want to be speakers and helping them build a business. I, I, I only work with a few people. Mm-hmm. At one point I thought I wanted to build a business out of that and working with tons of people quickly learned that I just didn't want to build like a consulting or coaching offer. Yeah. That was, you know, 20, 30 people, but I do enjoy working with a few people one-on-one. And so there are a few people, you know, three to five to six, maybe at the most people that I'll you know work with. And I'm very selective. It has to be, yes, you will have to want to work with me, but I also have to want to work with you. Um, and so I work with a few people there, but it's not something that it's like too much. So it doesn't take up an absurd amount of my time. Um, 
that is never going to probably grow and, and be a top thing of mine. I don't really know what, what it would be. Mm-hmm. It probably will not be a service-based business because I have that. And I have, you know, the main thing of me speaking, consulting. Yeah. I would assume that I'd like to at some point get involved more with a product or a software, or something else within the entrepreneurship space. I don't know exactly what that is, but we'll see down the road. It's just, I don't, I think I have a lot going on with service-based already. And mm-hmm. so I don't think I'd want to start or be involved with another service-based, but we'll see. Yeah, no, that, that's perfect. So where can people find you at, Aaron? Yeah, so first off, my my website's aarongolub.com. If I can ever help you in any way, send me an email, Aaron at aarongolub.com. Outside of that, you know, Instagram and Twitter at Aaron J. Golub. You can find me on LinkedIn, other social medias as well. Perfect. And before I let you go, what other words of wisdom, thoughts, anything that maybe through this conversation that you wanted to bring up that we missed? Yeah, you know, look, I I say, I say this a lot. I think when we have these challenges and adversities in our life, I think one of the things that we need to do is take a step back and, and really focus on, you know, being grateful for them. You know, oftentimes everyone thinks that the challenges, the adversities they face happen to them. And that's not true. They happen for you for a reason. Me being legally blind happened for me for a reason to learn, to grow, to impact other people. I'm so thankful, so grateful that I was born legally blind. And if I could go back to birth and change it, I wouldn't do so because it's turned me into the person I am today. And when you can find gratitude within the disadvantage, within the adversity that you face, no matter how small, you know, you're able to become happier, healthier, more successful, and ultimately accomplish your goals. I love that. I love that a lot. Thank you so much for being on the show. And for everyone listening, share this episode. There are definitely people that need to hear about this. And until next time, have an awesome day, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.